0: special episode of In Check with Fintech, organized by PCN. And my name is Rogier Roepen van der Voort, and um, today we have a um, special series of the podcast as well as in a video version. Um, we'll be talking about the European Payment Initiative in the next three episodes. Um, I won't be doing that on my own. I'm joined um, by, for today for the first part by Karsten Wengel from GND, Vlado Kalevsky from Netcetra. And Marcus Nazarek from eTonic. Welcome, guys. Hi everyone. everyone. Just to maybe before we start, give a kind of a short introduction on EPI because uh, a bit of a timeline back in July 2020, um, it was announced that a group of 16 major European banks uh, from five of the Euro countries um, announced that they would launch the EPI with the aim to create a unified payment solution for consumers and merchants across Europe. Now, today there's 31 banks already. Uh, amongst which Deutsche, there's ING, BMP, Santander, and also two third party acquirers, being Nex and Worldline. So a lot has happened um, in those, um, well, almost a year. Um, but what is API exactly? Uh, what is it looking to achieve? Uh, what will make it successful? These are just some of the questions that we'll be discussing in this exclusive three-part series in cooperation with GND and et cetera. Marcus, would you like to start with an introduction yourself?
1: Okay, can so thank you, thank you very much. So my name is Markus Nazarek. I have two decades at least experience in banking and payments, I was working for a bank, then even for an association of banks with all regulatory background, then uh, working for a while for PayPal, so I also know the payments I'm in Europe responsible for the wallets, what comes in and out of the wallet and sense of payments and card. And then I have my own company uh, as a consulting business
0: in the area. Good to be uh, discussing this uh, today with you. Vlado, welcome as well. Can you give an introduction as well? Thank you, Jorge. Um, So my name is Vlado Galipski. I
2: am um, leading the commercial and distribution team for Netetra. Uh, And uh, I have been um, basically uh, working in this segment for the past uh, 10 years. And um, adding to that, I'm an um, uh, payment and, and blockchain and crypto enthusiasts and um, looking forward to, to bring value to this discussion.
3: Thank Great. you. Karsten, welcome. Yes, hello. Uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Karsten. Joining from Gieseke and Derviant, a 168 year old uh, fintech uh, in payment <laughs> business. Uh, we have been basically working uh, on payment for all these times, and uh, my my role is actually leading the payment business globally from a sales and distribution perspective, on behalf of G and D, and that includes basically everything what we do on, on classical payment with cards, but also digital payments, tokenization, and things like this, and of course our group is much larger because we also still produce cash and quite a lot of that, and we will come to this topic I
0: think later in the discussion. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, great all right well again uh, welcome guys and um, to kick things off um, let's talk maybe about before specifically about epi kind of what the current retail payment landscape in europe looks like marcus would you like to give us an overview
1: it's it's, it's a very interesting uh, development over if you look back 20 years because still after all these uh, work on harmonized payment uh, framework, um, a legal framework on payments and all what is done with the Zepa, it's still very fragmented. When I was first involved quite long ago when, when Zepa came up and the discussions were, okay, now we have a harmonized framework on the data formats. How should we move into the market? How should we make payments easier, digital payments easier, mobile payments easier? It, there was a lot of hope and so that is even 15 years ago when this discussion started and when we looked into innovations in that, in that field and still even if it is a huge effort to put let's say ZEPA as a harmonized framework into the market but still then kind of further development stuck somehow because really payments in the in sense of online or mobile payment they didn't really involve or evolve and over the time, and so we have still um, in the in the retail market very many different ways of of implementing or realizing retail payments.
0: Oh, so there's a there's a clear demand for unification, basically. Exactly. I mean, on that note, Vlado, what do you see that API wants to achieve or or change right now? Mm-hmm. You
2: know, it, it's really interesting that Marcus mentioned uh, SEPA as a, as a, as an example, and I think SEPA is an excellent example and an excellent initiative. But uh, you know, among uh, um, uh, payment aficionados, uh, there is uh, the running joke that um, SEPA, um, which stands basically for um, the, the Single Euro Payments uh, Area, actually stands for sending European payments to to America, and this is this is a known joke. And this is actually referencing the the huge, the uh, absolutely um, um, enormous share of wallet which the US networks and basically the US payment providers have. So if you take a look at some statistics for, um, these are already old, I think 2019 or 2020, you have the vast majority of the total uh, transactions within the EU zone, um, then including UK, which is around 20, 260, 270 billion, were divided between Visa, MasterCard and, and PayPal. And um, I think around 15 billion, so not even uh, 7%, 7, 8% are or were between the two, the three biggest uh, national schemes in, in Germany. So GiroCard and, and Carbon Care and, and Swish in Sweden. So when we ask ourselves, like, what, um, what does EPI bring? First and foremost, it brings consensus. So I think what uh, differs now um, in regards to the European Payment Initiative compared to other initiatives in the past, like Moni and some other initiatives, is the wide consensus between the stakeholders. So we have 16—I think actually not 16—in the meantime, almost 30 major banks supporting the initiative, which is a huge moment. It's not only that you have you have the ECB, you have the technical stakeholders, you have the, the, the integrators. So there is a very wide consensus that that this needs to happen. Yeah, and if you ask me, it's way overdue. It's absolutely way overdue. We have uh, relied uh, for uh, a, a, a very long period of time to have such a big influence on the payments uh, ecosystem from from various different players, um, or let's say the majority of them are the, in the U.S. So so we need to really rethink really that. And you know this is. This is as well um, very interesting. So that's that's kind of what is EPI um, uh, longing to achieve. It is longing to 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 um, kind of bring a bit of balance in this um, in this geopolitical sense. You know? So and why is that? Um You know, it it completely makes sense. So um, if you take a look, we have very strong national schemes across Europe. But who is the actual competition or who are the actual uh, influences um, if we take a look at on a geopolitical stance? On one side, we have uh, China with a very advanced program with the digital UN and their CBDC program. On the other side, we have the uh, 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 U.S. with uh, their uh, absolute dominance on the on the scheme side, um, but as well on the fintech side with PayPal, on the fintech side. Um, and the announcement of CBDC on business and as well, the big tech. So like we are really um, um, from a geopolitical sense, absolutely uh, needing to do that. So if you take a look at these national schemes, you know, we are speaking always at the um, um, that that in order for this to make sense, it needs to have kind of the economy of scale. OK, and if you take a look at um, Girocard in Germany, it makes sense for, for Germany carbon care in France, but if we take a look at who the competition is, it absolutely makes sense for a unified pan-European harmonization of the national schemes. So, um, yes, so I think that these two elements, the the, the geopolitical sense and basically the operational, the pan-European harmonization of the whole um, landscape of payments are the two most important points that EPI wants to solve and
4: wants to uh, We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals.
0: Great. All right. Okay, let's talk maybe a bit then about those key stakeholders. You already mentioned some of them. Uh, The auto banks, the domestic schemes, the merchants and the consumers. Um, Carson, how would the EPI EPI impact those stakeholders? Well, as you already said, it's quite an ecosystem that we are...
3: they're trying to uh, uh, renovate here and it's actually more than renovation, I think it's more like a surgery at an open heart, so. It will affect all organs No, and, uh, and if you look at the payment ecosystem, of course you, of course you have the issuing bank on, at the forefront for serving the, the customers in Europe. So uh, the customers are then the second because they should all feel and see hey there's something different coming, something new, something potentially better than what is currently there, coming from all the different international schemes that Vlado has just uh, talked about. Uh, that means that the domestic schemes, especially France and Germany are notably uh, quite affected because they have actually quite successfully developed national schemes just because they wanted this dominant players from the outside also not to enter so strongly. And if you're, I'm being German and I'm using also the Giro card and the Secos system myself, uh, quite a lot, I can see this. I mean, this is quite significant, especially now also in the pandemic, how these uh, Giro cards have been used, right? And the amount of card usage, especially here going up and the merchants all accepting it. So quite successful. Now, this putting on the European level is quite a change. And that means the local schemes will need to give in give up some of the things that they have acquired in the past. Now, and last but not least, the merchant. right? The merchants need to accept it. A new EPI scheme, because if they don't do it, then nothing is won. Uh, take a look, uh, and it's a good example, when Apple Pay was launched, it was not so successful because Apple Pay all of a sudden had a nice cool gadget that you, everybody could wear around. No, it was successful because they had Macy's and and different other stores in the United States already lined up and they were all willing to accept Apple Pay. That made it successful. So you need to build this this ecosystem and that's why all of these key stakeholders are involved and will play a very significant role in the question, will it be successful
0: or not? Makes sense. So talk a bit more about those banks then. Um, I mean, it is somewhat of a private initiative of the banks. Like I said in the beginning, it started with 16 banks of five countries, now that it has increased to 31. Um, what's the political context like that is uh, around EPI? And by the way, it's not only banks,
3: we also have processors in, la- in there like Worldline and uh, Nets for example, yeah. right? So also the, the, the backend component you could say is also already being participating. Now uh, we have to notice that EPI really is currently a private, a commercial initiative, right? There's an EPA interim company, which was uh, founded in Belgium last year. And uh, this interim company is now basically shaping the whole approach to generating this new European payment initiative. Um, However, uh, there have been remarks and and comments by the European Commission and uh, by the uh, European Central Bank as well, because both um, constituents also say we need to protect and also build the European sovereignty when it comes to payment. Now there are different means of doing this and EPI is one means of doing this. So already last year, there were public statements by the European Central Bank and by the European Commission publicly supporting and endorsing the approach to European unified and harmonized payment scheme going forward. That, of course, is more a statement. It doesn't mean that they are currently, to my knowledge, uh, financially vested in in this overall project. But at least what we can say is that this is seen as a a thing that also the European leaders say makes sense. It makes sense to create also uh, this initiative going forward. It will have not only positive effects on the payments side, but also maybe on European economy. We come, I think, later to the topic, when uh, we discuss also the benefits for Europe. But, uh, but from this perspective, I think it's it's a good that Europe is really supporting this initiative and that gives it also some momentum and also some pressure, again, to
0: be successful. Yeah, because I think the two biggest economies, obviously, France and Germany, they need to
3: be on board, right? In order to make it possible. Well, that's a, it's almost a common standard now that if you want to things, get things done in Europe, you need Germany and France on board. Luckily, both of them are, right? And uh, they are also on the scheme side here. If you look at the technicality a little bit, CPACE is more or less already an agreed standard that uh, all would actually buy into. So there are also some foundation layers on, on some technical components already set. But for sure, they will be the powerhouses. And if you look at the banks contributing, all the big names from Germany and France are participating. But also, notably, Spain is quite strong with BBVA and Santander and, of course, uh, some other banks
4: as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, step by step, more and more banks uh, come on board and see the relevance, which is uh, very interesting, I think, for such a big initiative in order for it to be successful. I mean, talking about the ECB as well, uh, Marcus, there's obviously also the digital euro. Would this compete with the EPI or not?
1: Yeah, that that is obviously something very interesting and very interesting connection because if you look now, what is the next five to 10 years, you can't think without kind of at least distributed things, Let's distributed ledger, let's say blockchain, or let's say cryptocurrencies. Something of it has to be in your game because that's the way how the big sector, industry sectors, and even the big economies already kind of working. I have seen stuff now going up in Asia, what China is doing, what their next blockchain infrastructure for the industry is, how supply chains, there work, what Samsung does already since years. And we had the first discussions 2015 or something, yeah, 2015 we were whiteboarding in the Association of German Banks and said, okay, oh, there's something coming. What is the thing? And the point was Not that it's digital, because the euro eventually is somehow already digital for a very long time. So what's the thing in in the discussion? But the point was these value chains become much, much shorter if people can trust each other in a different way. And because you now can put smart things into it. So that's the next step, uh, to be honest. When you can do this smart contract stuff with your currency transactions, you can bind the underlying business into conditions of payment, what is a big part of payment service providers already now. But now, think in this, you can do this fully automated, trustworthy, uh, and and you you put much more business logic into the payment itself. So that was actually the very first beginning, of the discussions, and I think the ECB may. Take a step back and say let's first start with something what is digital and then we can think about uh, smart contracts, actually the same way uh, eventually also um, DM or Facebook things let's first do a transaction and then think about smart contracts and that stuff, because it is very complicated what comes up. But I think that is the space where you have to connect the dots now. from the ECB your digital euro thing make it secure and trustworthy. And then come from the payment retail side with their requirements to actually be able to use this. But there's still a long way to go, I think. So now can, I can have my wallets and I have my Bitcoins, and I think, oh, very nice. And I hope that everything works well because even a cold wallet isn't what it is promised somehow sometimes. So there is something necessary as infrastructure elements. You need to have a more professional parts of taking care of this routing and security and and all that parts, because that is, I think, a long way to go. Uh, Maybe in the next years to make it more reliable, available, and resilient. And and I think these are the points we have to solve. And that's eventually why the ECB says, okay, let's make things simple first, start from there. And in the meantime, EPI could already Clean up the, the the table with making things nice and arrange payments, merchants, and doing all the customer um, um, experience very well. And then you have in this in the, in the background you have to connect the dots and then putting the things together. But you have to be open for that because I think otherwise it would be very hard to say, oh, now I have a very nice PayPal too. But uh, yeah, but the world is different now. <laughs> so what what should I do? So that, I think that that's a very good opinion uh, um, uh, opportunity right now to do the things right. It's, it's the right moment to, to start with that. Yeah,
0: mm.
3: Karsten, would you I, agree? I just would like to add. First of all, I think it's we have to notice that both EPI from the private sectors and EZB Digital Euro have both the same target: European sovereignty. So that's that's the first striking thing that's really in common. Now I have to tell you when I talk to banks today there's quite some tension uh, on this topic, right? Because some banks say, well, is not the digital euro taking something away from me. What's what's going to happen with my business model? Is there something that I may lose in in the process? And uh, and others see rather this as an opportunity because it can include a digital wallet that you may already offer now with a EZB digital euro wallet on top of this, and they can both connect. And there are also use cases to be seen here in, in in the collaboration. Uh, We as GND and uh, also here with NetCetera, I think we are are looking at this really quite holistically. We have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are still uh, producing cash. How do we do this? Well, we are working with 150 central banks in the world. Overall, we need to think of CBDC, central bank digital currencies, and EPI not as competing with each other, but rather there's going to be a collaboration with both schemes, and they can both Ignite really a fire of innovation with the European companies contributing to this and uh, and we are coming here to the table, because we want to be part of this this party.
1: But that's actually no, just no. another thing on this because that was very i'm just when you mentioned. yeah banks were discussing this actually we had this discussion because as a prototyping company, we had the discussions even already two years ago. How would we convert bank applications like lending or guarantees or letter of attorneys into something digital on a blockchain based thing. And that is exactly your point. There are so many things only a bank can do what doesn't just exist if you have a cryptocurrency that doesn't help you at all. It just makes you carrying around a number. But I
3: don't, I don't think you will take, a, a, you will get a mortgage from the European Central Bank in the future. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but, so. well, a guarantee for, or let's say a debit deposit for your flat,
1: because that was also very nice applications on the retail market, where you want to put deposit for renting a flat. How would you do this? You put money into something, but you could also do digital currency stuff that was fully automated regulated, but a bank is necessary to, to speak and to talk this this guarantees and this responsibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lalo, anything to add
2: to this? So um, I think that um, although it's a, it's a pity because uh, um, as uh, Marcus and Carson already said, on the on the actual uh, finance side, there is a multitude of applications that you could build upon, even a private blockchain using this decentralized finance and so on, which could be really state of the art. You know? So, um, um, and on, on the other side of the digital euro, I think uh, once again, the, the, the actual digital, let's, let's call it like this, the digital euro has been with us uh, for a while now. Not in the form that uh, that it will be uh, in, in the next three years, but we have had tokenized uh, assets or tokenized uh, money for sometimes in our wallet. The, the difference between um, let's say uh, the digital euro and the tokenized uh, assets is only under the hood yeah so uh, the, the the actual front end that the customer will have a very similar payment experience obviously very different when it's cross-border but like they will have a wallet and they will have a euro the only difference is that it will be tokenized and it will be in their wallet and it's not going to be in a database in, in a bank somewhere um so um uh, once again, and, and I think there on on the digital euro and on the CBDC, um, we are once again seeing that we are lagging behind as uh, a community, as as EU, as Europe, behind what is already happening. You have China looking at since two thousand fourteen at at um, basing uh, a, a digital version of the, of the digital euro basically on. On, uh, on, on, on—not on distributed ledger. It's a very centralized version. But in any case, they have an actual production pilot right now in almost fifty provinces already. Yeah? You have Singapore basing a digital, digital currency on on, uh, on a private blockchain. You have Hong Kong basing, uh, basing. So you have a multitude of countries that are already working on this, and um, I think we have a long way to go. But uh, in any case, I do think that uh, that's both ecosystems are compatible. Both ecosystems are important and are bringing, at the end of the day, what we want to see, and that's sovereignty in the payments uh, landscape. So
0: are they competing? No, they are rather complementing to each other, uh, and one can serve as a catalyst for the other. That's very interesting. I mean, maybe to uh, close things off, kind of, overall opinion or position on the EPI, on all of you would be interested to uh, to hear. Flado, what's your overall opinion on the and position of the EPI? Do you think it's a good thing?
2: Absolutely. I, I would even go a step further. I, I don't think it's a good thing. I think it's a necessary thing for us to survive in the geopolitical sense. And uh, maybe survive is a bit of a strong word, but actually compete. Compete on one side with the um, uh, strong geopolitical forces like uh, US with their uh, payment landscape and their schemes, uh, China with the upcoming digital yuan, will, which will change a lot of things. You know, which will change the way that, um, let's say, the, the 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 US dollar is based, and it can actually jeopardize as well the dominance within the world payments ecosystem. EPI needs to happen. Digital euro needs to happen, and um, my. Personal view is that um, I think the best position that that EPI officials can take is utilise uh, local tech. Is utilise European stakeholders who actually have a stake in this thing working?
3: Great, Karsten, do you feel the same? No, I feel absolutely the same, and I would add to this, uh, especially this topic of innovation and uh, and pull, pushing this through also in Europe. I think EPI. Plus also the the digital euro can be really a crystallization point of many different companies, innovators, startups, also maybe some longer lasting companies like us uh, coming together and creating something new and and developing something new, right? And, And giving innovation into this market. And that's also a strength then again for the European community, which if you look just at software development area, is lagging far behind from the U.S. or from China, right? So this is this is a good spark. I would also add for European citizens: once EPI is successful, as it it's rolled out, also digital euro, you you name it, it's also an integration point for Europeans, for citizens living in Europe, right? Like when the euro was launched in 2002, I think it was for the first. When the first banknotes came out, right? It was also something, hey, we are belonging together, right? The sense of togetherness and, uh, and developing something together, strengthening the economy, strengthening the resilience of European banks, uh, uh, what Lavardo also alluded to here, those three elements I see really as a strong points. So there's no question if we should do it, we have to do it and we better accelerate. You. Marcus, anything to add to that On your opinion?
1: Yeah, I I can only agree because that is so necessary because just from the thoughts I had what is money money when I looked up okay money is something to understand cryptocurrencies and all that stuff so what is money money is relationships it's not a thing by itself money doesn't exist, if you look into what fiat money is then you come up with it's the power of work or a power of an economy or whatever, but it is not a thing as such so. If you give up the way people pay to others, you are not part of these relationship anymore. And that, that's, I think that's the thing for me. I was a few years ago in, in discussions when we discussed, um, should banks do payment? And I was a bit irritated and I thought, payment and banking is so different. Can they really do this? And yeah, for sure, because payment, uh, it, it's, it's, it's banking, it's the same. It is not at all. Because you have to do ma- in payment, you have to manage risk, you have to manage relationships with merchants and, and customers, you have to do all this dirty work, call it that way. So you have to make your hands dirty. That's what I want to say. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe both, but but at the end, it is really a very um, very much a, and very close to your, your to the people to live this relationship.
0: Money as relationships almost makes it sound. Uh philosophical, uh, but indeed, I think the relationships between, like Karsten said, between the innovators, right, working together, companies like you guys, really joining forces to build something which is also uh, set up to be successful in the future, um, an integration point for Europeans, a unification of Europeans like we have with the Euro, um, that's really interesting. Um, great, guys. Well, thanks for yeah sharing your views, and and thanks, everyone, for listening in or viewing this uh, first part of the uh, special um, podcast, video cast series together with uh, GD and, uh, and et cetera. I think we just touched the service on EBI. So um, make sure to uh, tune in next week again for part two, where we'll look at more on a technical level, what, what EBI may look like. We'll look at the use cases and products, design and architecture. Um, if you want to find out more, then um, you can go to um, either of our uh, websites or LinkedIn's and um, hope to see or hear you again next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner, Free A Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free A Girl. Every day, 2 million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars or online forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.